Hey there, welcome to today's episode of Verity Vitamins. I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm starting a new series that I've actually been preparing for for months, um, and I've been sitting on it. I've been letting it marinate in the crock pot, so to speak, and this is going to be part one of this new series, and I think we'll be on it for a few weeks at least, but I'm really excited about it. I believe some good things are going to come out of this time. And uh, I've heard this before, you know, uh, I've heard of ministers that will go a whole year before preaching a series because they want to make sure um, they're hearing from the Lord and they're tight with the scriptures and it's accurate. And so, you know, nobody's perfect and nobody has it all and nobody preaches a perfect sermon, but we want to give diligence to these things. We want to be diligent to study to show ourselves approved. And so that's what I've been endeavoring to do. But I'm excited about the new series I'm getting into on Verity Vitamins entitled The Whole Counsel of God. And this is going to be a good time. I believe there's going to be some revelation that we're going to see in this series and bringing some balance to some things. And I'm really excited about it. But this this first episode I'm just simply calling We Know in Part. And we're going to get into some things here. Acts twenty twenty six through 27, this is going to be kind of the text of this series. Paul is talking, and he said, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now, when he says, I haven't shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God, I don't believe Paul is saying that he knows <laughs> the whole counsel of the God. I like something I heard Kenneth Copeland say one time. A man walked up to him in a sermon or afterwards and said, uh, you're not preaching the whole counsel of God. And Brother Copeland said, I don't know the whole counsel of God. And so I don't believe Paul is saying that he knows the whole counsel of God. And I'll prove that to you real quick uh, or just a minute by the scriptures. Um, but... Paul is not holding back his part. He's not holding back what he sees, what he knows. He's innocent in his heart because he hasn't withheld his part. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but you know I'm glad it did. Uh, In the Amplified Bible, it says, I never shrank back or kept back or fell short from declaring to you the whole purpose and plan and counsel of God. So, Paul is saying, I'm not withholding my part. I'm not withholding what the Lord has given me to minister to you. I'm not shunning to declare it, and that's why my heart's clear, because I know I've done my part. I know I've preached the whole counsel of God that he's given me to preach. But something we're going to see here, well, let me go ahead and read this in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 before I say that. Verse 9, he said, For we know in part. Well, that's how I know Paul didn't know the whole counsel of God. And yet, when he says, I'm going to preach to you the whole counsel of God, he's saying, I'm going to preach to you everything God has given me to preach. I'm not always supposed to say everything I know, but what do they need to hear right now? If I'm ministering to a group of people, I'm not going to withhold the whole counsel of God for them. Now, there may be scriptures I've read and revelation I've seen that I'm not going to say today because that's not for them. But I'm not withholding what God has given me to speak to you. I mean, everybody listening to this, listening to this podcast, I'm not going to withhold my part 
that I'm going to present to you. I have a part just like other people have a part. And I'm not supposed to come against other people's part or try to contradict other people's part necessarily. But I want to be faithful to do my part. And that doesn't mean I'm sitting here trying to preach everything I know. Um, and, and it's more important that I'm led by the Spirit. And yet I'm not withholding my part of this. I'm not withholding my part of the counsel of God. He said, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So he says this again, I know in part. And he talked about prophesying in part. So Paul has a part. We have a part. You have a part. I have a part. And I'm not just talking about fivefold ministers. We all see a part. We all have a part. We all know in part. Well, what does that mean? It means there are other parts we don't know. <laughs> That's the automatic assumption. So in light of this, why did Paul say he doesn't shun to preach the whole counsel of God? You know, this is something I'm going to get into more and more. But when it comes to this person's part and this person's part, you know, some people can get off into error with things. And things may need to be corrected with different ministers and things of that nature. But a lot of people have made the mistake of thinking that the way you correct error is to come against a person and to make a YouTube video about them and quote-unquote expose them. <laughs> well, there are some people that are wolves in sheep's clothing that have, you know, mischievous motives and are not even from God at all that, okay, there's a level of exposing that in the right way. But I'm talking about people who are anointed. Um, they are called, but they can get off track. And that can happen to anybody. And, and a big part of that is isolation. Isolation leads to extremism. And extremism leads to error. I'm going to say that again. Isolation leads to extremism. Extremism leads to error. And so when we're talking about the whole counsel of God, really what I'm saying to you is we need balance. What we need is the body of Christ. There's a reason why God gave us gifts, plural. There's a reason why there's not just one teacher and one preacher and one evangelist and one apostle and one prophet. The Bible talks about how the prophets are subject to the prophets. Why? Why would the, the prophets need to be subject to the prophets? Because they prophesy, watch this, in part. <laughs> Did you know that a prophet could get a part of a prophecy right and add something to it? Maybe for unintentionally, maybe it was out of their own, you know, uh, thoughts or own feelings or own prejudices. This is why you need other prophets. You test the prophecy. Now, you don't judge prophets, but you judge the prophecy. You test all things. You test the spirit of a thing. And somebody can be an anointed prophet of God doesn't mean everything they said was necessarily the whole thing. Why? Because we prophesy in part. Do you see that? We need the whole counsel of God on things. 
And so when Paul says, I'm not shunning to preach to you the whole counsel of God, really what he's saying is, I'm not withholding my part. Because I want you to see the whole counsel of God. That doesn't mean Paul has it all. But Paul has a part. And let's say somebody preaches one thing, and you don't totally see eye to eye with that completely. But a part of it was true. Now, I'm talking from the perspective of a minister because I'm a minister. But this is true of every believer. You hear somebody saying something, you're like, I don't totally agree with that. That's not totally right. Okay, but that doesn't mean there has to be strife and friction. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, we may get to this, but he talks about this, that that's immaturity. But the way balance is brought is I'm not trying to come against something else, but I'm not shunning to preach my part of it because we need balance. Should I say it? I'm going to say it. We, things need to be perfectly balanced, as all things should be. I'll just say it one time, and we'll leave it at that. I won't say it anymore in this series, maybe. But we all have a part. We all know a part. I hope I'm making sense so, so far. Look at this in Matthew 7, verse 3. It says, Why do you behold the mote that is in your brother's eye, but don't consider the beam that is in your own eye? So he said, you're considering the mote, or he actually said you're beholding. The moat that's in your brother's eye. What is that? I'm looking at it. <laughs> Beholding has to do with I'm gazing at this. I'm focused on this. He said, but you're not considering the beam that is in your own eye. You know, behold and consider are different words. Beholding is stronger. Yeah, we're told to behold what manner of love uh, the Father has bestowed upon us. This is something you do intently. You gaze at it. You behold it. But consider is, is a lighter word. Consider is a softer word. It has to do with, uh, just, just think about it. <laughs> just consider it. Um, you know, just, just, you know you're, you're intently gazing at all the problems over here. But if you just consider yourself a little bit, look at what he said. Um, you say to your brother, let me pull out the mote of your eye. And behold, a beam is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First cast out the beam of your own eye, out of your own eye, excuse me, and then you'll see clearly to help your brother, to remove the moat from your brother's eye. Now, notice he didn't say that you never helped your brother with the moat in his eye. He didn't say that the moat wasn't a problem. But he said the way you're going to help the situation is first considering yourself. You know, the first thing we need to do uh, in any situation, especially where there's strife or there's disagreement, the first thing we need to do is consider ourselves. We need to examine ourselves and say, okay, could I be wrong here? Could I be missing something? Could I be, uh, could I be extreme in some things? And I, I need to self-examine. That's the first thing I need to do. And once I've done that and gotten my own heart clear, then I'm going to see clearly to help my brother. Now, again, it doesn't mean that there's not something that needs to be corrected. There's not something that needs to be balanced out with something else. But there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it that it's not causing strife and division within the body of Christ. This is true of, of believers. This is true of ministers. There's so much strife. There's so much um, biting and devouring over disagreements doctrinally, when the reality is what we need is the whole counsel of God. 
They have a part. I have a part. Maybe somebody has gotten into error, especially if there's isolation. But you see, that's what the enemy wants. He wants the body of Christ to be divided up into camps so they get extreme in their part. But that's not how God intended it. Balance comes through connection and through different parts, bringing balance to the body of Christ. And this can happen with anybody. It has happened with all these different denominations. And I'm talking about people who profess Jesus, who are believers, who are born again by the Spirit of God. But we need balance in some things. Uh, Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, those who are pure in heart get God's perspective in a thing. Do you see that? And the more committed you are to God's plan and His kingdom, the more you will begin to see like He does. But you know something else that would cause you to have a pure heart? Self-examination. Considering yourself. That's how you keep your heart pure. You consider yourself. You examine yourself on a regular basis. That's how you keep your heart pure, and that's how you see clearly. If there's something that you're like, well, this is wrong, or I disagree with this, well, hey, number one, the first place you need to do some examining is your own heart. And if you get your heart clear, then you're going to see clearly to help your brother, help your sister. In 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1, it says, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. In the Passion Translation, it says, It seems that everyone believes his own opinion is right on this matter. (laughs) How easily we get puffed up, watch this, over our own opinions. But love builds up the structure of our new life. If anyone thinks of himself as a know-it-all, he still has a lot to learn. But if a person passionately loves God, he will possess the knowledge of God. You could say the perspective of God. Why? Because I love God. I love people. I'm letting love be my highest aim. I'm letting love be at the number one place in my life. That's the thing that's going to cause me to see clearly. When I examine my own heart and make sure I'm putting love first place, not just what I know. Now, again, Paul said, I'm not shunning to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I'm going to minister what I know in this. My part, as the Spirit leads me, I'm not going to withhold it, but love still has to be first place. Love is more important than knowledge. And when love is number one, that's what's going to cause you to see clearly. Again, we all know a part. We all see a part. And there are other parts we don't see. There are other parts we don't know. And, And we should be faithful with our part. And we need to focus on our part. But we don't want to be so arrogant to think that our part is all there is. Does that make sense? Now, go over real quickly to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. I mentioned it earlier. He said, Brethren, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, as to spiritual people, but as to carnal people. He says, as to babes in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. You know, there are certain things that not everybody's able to receive. And there may be some things that God has given you that are good, Whether you're a minister or not, but that doesn't mean everybody's in a place to receive that right now. 
And there may be somebody else that they're more able to receive from right now. That's their part. I mean, just from a practical standpoint, you know, there are people who speak different languages <laughs> who may not be able to understand you. And there are people who may not understand all of the things you say and how you say it. There may be people that do understand it, though. And again, I'm talking to you whether you're a minister or not. Uh, your part is good, and you don't want to be ashamed of your part. But that doesn't mean everybody can receive that right now. That doesn't mean everybody's ready for you. <laughs> you you, you want to know, God, what are what's my part? And where is my part? What do you want me? This is why the Bible says he's set us in the body as it has pleased him. He said, but you're still not able to receive because you're carnal. He said, for where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Now, why is there envy, strife, and divisions? Because there's different opinions and different perspectives. He says, for one says, I'm of Paul. And another says, I'm of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos but ministers through who you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? He said, I planted and Apollos watered. What is that? That's their part. <laughs> That's them doing their part. But God gave the increase. He says, so uh, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters, watch this, are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Do you see that they have a different part, and yet he says they're one? What is that? That's two puzzle pieces coming together. Do you see that? One planted, one watered, and they're one. Just like you got two puzzle pieces to cut come together. Now, now, let me ask you something. What happens when two puzzle pieces come together? You see more of the big picture. Are you listening? You see more of the big picture. I've heard this example used. The body of Christ is like a diamond. You know, you can only see one side of a diamond at the time, at a time. But when you turn it, you see that there are other sides of the diamond. And we all, we all have a part. We don't want to despise somebody else's part. Yes, maybe they've gotten into some error, as if we have never gotten into any error. But again, what is it that leads to extremism? Isolation. And extremism leads to error. This is why we need balance. This is why we need more than one part. I'll read this last verse to you in Ephesians 4, verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, you can have a disagreement and disunity in doctrine and still have unity of spirit. He said, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So what we're talking about today and in this series is that we want the whole counsel of God. And it only happens by us not despising the other parts of the body. Now, we still have to hold fast to what we've received. And we have to hold fast to what we've gotten from the Lord. We're supposed to be faithful with our part. But the more the body of Christ comes together with their part, the more we're going to see the whole picture, the whole counsel of God.